0: Good morning and welcome to our fifth online service from Crescent Church. Whether you are a Crescent member, a regular visitor, or perhaps you've just connected with us over the past few weeks, we hope that you will enjoy worshipping with us this morning and that together we will grow in our faith as we study God's Word. It continues to be a strange and difficult time for us all, but it has been a beautiful week. And I hope you have managed to enjoy the sunshine in some way. Maybe you've managed to get out for a nice walk, or perhaps it's just been the sun shining through your window, but I hope it has brightened the week for us all. I want to remind you of the resources that we have available on the Crescent website. There's a wide range of podcasts which are a real encouragement, and there is also now a link to an interview with John Lennox On the topic of god in a coronavirus world and these things are really worth listening to before we have a time focused on the children let's commit uh, ourselves to god let's pray father we come before you this morning in the name of the lord jesus christ we thank you for this easter period when we reflect on jesus's death on the cross and that you raised him from the dead that death is defeated. Father, we thank you that we can come to you and find forgiveness for our sins, peace with God and real everlasting hope. We are reminded of the final verse in John chapter 20, which we studied last week. It tells us why John wrote his book, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We pray that you will speak through David Farrell as he explains chapter 21 to us today. I want to commit into your hands everyone who is listening this morning, and also those who are unwell or unable to join with us. Be with our older members who are alone and those who are missing contact with their family and friends. Be with those who are bereaved. We think particularly of the family of Maureen Jemison at this time. And we also think of those who have lost jobs or who are struggling to have enough to provide for themselves and their family. We think of our younger people who are studying for exams or finishing projects in a very surreal time that they will keep motivated and keep going and finish the year well. We pray for our international students who are far from their homes. Help parents who are trying to teach, entertain, and be good examples to their children. Give them patience and wisdom. And we pray for people who are asking real, valid questions in these days of suffering and uncertainty. We ask that they will find answers in you. May we take opportunities to share our faith with friends, colleagues, family members, and explain the hope that is only found in Jesus. Thank you that Carl Ramsey is now out of hospital. We pray for him and Esther as he continues his recovery. And we pray for our government, for the decisions that are being made on a daily basis. In particular, we pray for wisdom as to when and how restrictions should be lifted. Thank you that Boris Johnson is making a good recovery. We pray for everyone who works for the NHS and those working in care homes the emergency services, food producers and distributors. Thank you for those who look after us. We think particularly of our own members who work in these jobs. There are many missionaries and mission organisations connected to Crescent and we remember them in prayer today, that they will be protected in the different countries where they are serving and that they will be given amazing opportunities in these days. Be with us in all that we do today, that it will bring glory and honour to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we went on a family walk around the housing development where we live and we began to notice a recurring theme of rainbows painted by children in the windows of our neighbours' houses. You will now see a number of rainbows that have been painted and drawn by the boys and girls in our Sunday school known as JAM. And we're really thankful to the boys and girls for sharing these with us. During our walk, we had no idea what these rainbows were all about, but we saw at least 40 during our journey. Later, we read that they are a visual way to spread hope. And even the Queen referred to them as the symbol of our national spirit in the face of this pandemic. This morning, we are going to think back to the first rainbow and Lorna Cullen is going to read us a story entitled A New Beginning. And after the story, we will sing the song Rainbows. So please stand up, stretch and do the actions, even if you're an adult.
1: A new beginning. Everyone everywhere had forgotten about God and were only doing bad things all the time. God's heart was filled with pain when he saw what had happened to the world he loved. Everywhere was disease and death and destruction, all the things God hates most. Now Noah was God's friend, which was all in those days because no one else was. Noah listened to God, he talked to God, he just loved being with God, like you do with your best friend. Noah, God said things have gone wrong. People have filled my world with hate instead of love. They are destroying themselves and each other and my world. I must stop them. First, we'll build an ark. Do you know how to build an ark? (laughs) Neither did Noah, but God knew and he would show him. A storm is coming, God told Noah, but I will rescue you. I promise. I'll send the animals to you, ones that creep and crawl and slither and slime and gallop and hop and bind and climb and don't forget to pack everyone's food. The storm was going to wash away all the hate and sadness and everything that had gone wrong and make the world clean again. God had thought up a way to keep Noah safe, but Noah would have to trust God do exactly what he told him. So Noah built an ark. Noah's neighbours came out to watch and point and laugh because they didn't believe Noah about the boat or the storm or needing to be rescued. And Noah must have looked rather silly. His boat was in the desert. The desert was nowhere near the sea and there wasn't even a cloud in the sky. Why would anyone need an umbrella, let alone a boat? But Noah didn't mind so much what other people thought. He minded what God thought. So he just did what God told him to do. And when the ark was ready, Noah's family and all the animals climbed inside. Then God shut the door. And it started raining. For minutes, that joined up into hours, that joined up into days, that joined up into weeks and weeks, and the rain joined up into puddles, that joined up into rivers, that joined up into lakes, that joined up into a flood that covered the whole world. Their boat that at once seemed so big suddenly seemed very small. But in the middle of the huge storm, in the crashing waves, in all the thunder and lightning, through it all, God was with them. And God kept them safe for 40 long days and 40 long nights. Then finally the rain stopped. The sun came out and Noah threw open all the windows. Hooray, everyone shouted. Noah sent his dove out to explore and it wasn't long before she brought him back a fresh olive leaf. Everyone knew exactly what that meant. She had found a tree and land. The water was going down. At last the boat landed quite suddenly on top of a great mountain. As soon as it was safe, God said, Out you come, and so they did. Everyone skipping and dancing onto dry land. The first thing Noah did was to thank God for rescuing them, just as he had promised. And the first thing God did was to make another promise. I won't ever destroy the world again. And like a warrior who puts away his bow and arrow at the end of a great battle, God said, see, I have hung up my bow in the clouds. And there, in the clouds, just where the storm meets the sun, was a beautiful bow made of light, a rainbow. It was a new beginning in God's world. It wasn't long before everything went wrong again. But God wasn't surprised. He knew this would happen. And that's why, before the beginning of time, he had another plan, a better plan. A plan not to destroy the world, but to rescue it. A plan to one day send his own son, the Rescuer. God's strong anger against hate and sadness and death would come down once more, but not on his people or his world. No, God's war bow was not pointing down at his people. It was pointing up into the heart of heaven.
2: Secret, it's not a fairy tale, it's not made up.
0: Many thanks to Lorna, Rachel and the children for reminding us that God's promises are true. This week I came across an interesting quote by C.H. Spurgeon, God is too good to be unkind and he is too wise to be mistaken. And when we cannot trace his hand, we have to trust his heart. A few days ago I was chatting uh, to one of our members And she shared with me that she really misses singing as a congregation at Crescent. Today we are delighted uh, that the church band have put together a special recording of Salvation Belongs to Our God. Each member of the band uh, and the singers have recorded uh, their own part. And these tracks have been put together by Jacob Lockhart into one single piece of music. They have done a superb job and we are really thankful uh, to the band and particularly to Jacob for bringing a familiar sound of crescent to us this morning. After we have sung, uh, Gareth Lewis will bring us the first reading.
3: and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead.
0: Our speaker this morning is David Farrell. David is one of the elders at Crescent and he, along with his wife, are involved in the pastoral care team in the church. David is completing a series in John's Gospel entitled The Final Journey. And before he comes to speak to us, we're going to sing a fantastic hymn together. Praise my soul, the King of heaven, to his feet thy tribute bring, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, who like thee his praise should sing.
4: Thank you for joining with us this morning at the Crescent Church and thank you Gareth for reading to us John chapter 21. This morning the service is entitled Restored to Serve. It is the last chapter of the book. It is the last chapter in the study of the book of John which we have been looking at for the last number of months. I can remember as a boy growing up in Japan traveling one day with my father through the rice fields in the countryside outside of Tokyo. It was a long narrow road and both sides of the road were rice fields. Between us and the rice field there were irrigation canals, ditches if you like. In front of us there was an elderly gentleman riding a rickety old bicycle. There was no room to overtake him so we were following him along the road and all of a sudden he veered to the left, fell off his bicycle and ended up in the irrigation canal. We immediately stopped the car, jumped out to assist system and he was sitting there up to his neck in mud. He was filthy, he was stinking and as a matter of fact the, the bike had completely disappeared from view and he had to poke around in the mud. To retrieve his bicycle. A number of years later when I was learning to drive, my father reminded me of the story. And he told me then, and he said, every mile of road has two miles of ditches. Remember that David, every mile of road has two miles of ditches. And I knew immediately what he was referring to. For as we walk along road of life, there are potentially ditches that we can fall into on either side. For every mile, two miles of ditches. This morning we are looking at the restoration of Peter. Peter had denied the Lord Jesus Christ. He had denied him three times. Then we looked at the cross and last week Jim looked at the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the book of John ends with those magnificent words, or seems to end with those magnificent words. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You think that that is the full stop. You think that is the end. But there's another chapter. There's chapter 21. John starts his book with a a prologue, and his prologue refers to the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And that beautiful passage describing the Lord Jesus Christ as the Word of God. He ends his book with an epilogue, and the epilogue refers to chapter 21. Chapter 21 ties up a number of loose ends that were obviously concerning the Christian church at that time. There are three reasons he writes the epilogue. Number one, he writes it for the restoration of Peter, the public restoration of Peter. Secondly, there seemed to be a some kind of a discussion taking place that people believed that John would not die unto the Lord Jesus Christ returned again. John clarifies that matter in chapter 21. And thirdly, and most importantly, he tells us and he describes to us how we should relate to the Lord Jesus Christ, the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And so therefore we are going to look at this under the title, Restored to Serve. Let's consider for a moment the restoration of Peter and in order to understand the restoration of Peter we have got to remind ourselves of the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ had spoken to his disciples and he told them that he would be leaving them. He described them as being sheep who would be like without a shepherd. And then he went on to say that they were to return. Galilee and finally he said to Peter Peter you are going to deny me three times and Peter vehemently denies that he would do that he said that he would even give his life to serve the Lord Jesus but Peter said uh, Jesus said to Peter you will deny me and just as the Lord Jesus Christ had had described that evening standing there in front of the fire Peter denied the Lord Jesus Christ three times and the Lord Jesus Christ looked at Peter as the cockroach crowed and Peter went out into the darkness a very tragic story and in many ways Peter really had fallen into the ditch but the Lord Jesus Christ had told them that he would. They were to go to Galilee. They were returned to Galilee. They did exactly as they were instructed. They returned to Galilee, but then at the start of chapter twenty-one, Peter says to a number of his fellow disciples, "Let's go fishing." Some people are critical of Peter for for going fishing. Other people say, well, it was obviously a necessity. They needed food. They needed resources. They needed to make a living. But in many ways, the Lord Jesus Christ hadn't instructed them to return to where they had been, but rather he had told them to wait for him in Galilee. Had Peter fallen off the ditch or fallen into the ditch for the the second time? And so we pick up the accounting Chapter 21 And the Lord Jesus Christ is standing on the shore. And as he's standing there on the shore, around about a hundred yards from the man, it is still dark. The passage says that the sun was beginning to rise. It's very, very much a dark scene. The men have been fishing all night and hadn't caught a thing. And the Lord Jesus Christ commands the man in the boat to throw their net into the other side of the boat and they had a great haul of fish, 153. Peter, recognizing it was the Lord, jumped into the sea and waded in to see him. What is the significance of this story? What is the significance in Peter's life? Well, you see, Peter is recalling when he was called as a disciple. Whenever you read in the Gospels, you read of the calling of Peter and Andrew, who were fishermen. And the Lord Jesus Christ instructs Peter and Andrew to cast their net into the sea. He was on the boat with them at that time. It's interesting to note that this time he's on the shore. They cast their net into the sea and they had a great haul of fish. Peter vividly recalls that encounter, his first encounter, the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, for restoration to take place, sometimes we need to go back to the beginning. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves of our calling. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves as to why we are following the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament there is a character of Jacob, a remarkable man, an interesting man, a man full of contradictions. A man who had decided and committed his life to follow God at a place called Bethel. But he had strayed. He had walked away. And God wrestled, literally wrestled with Jacob and instructed him to go back to Bethel. And in many ways in our Christian lives, we sometimes have to go back to Bethel. We have to go back to that first commitment. Peter was taken back there, vividly taken back there by the Lord Jesus Christ, back to that first calling. And then whenever they were arrived on the shore, there was a fire prepared. Now sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I will be walking along and see a scene, hear some music, eat some food, whatever it might be, and it brings back to me a vivid recollection of a past event. Sometimes it's very small. But I'm sure that in Peter's case, there is a detailed fact within the script, within the text, which takes Peter straight back to that night of betrayal. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ had lit a charcoal fire. And the only other time that the Apostle John in the Gospel refers to a charcoal fire is whenever he refers to the fire that Peter was standing at on the night of betrayal. It was very poignant. As Peter looked down into that fire, as he looked down into those coals, he realized how far he had come. He had fallen into the ditch. Sometimes, whenever we are going to return to our place of first commitment, sometimes when we have fallen away, sometimes when we need to go back to Bethel, we first of all have got to deal with the issue that took us away. In Peter's case, it was those coals and that fire which spoke to him so vividly about his betrayal. What is it in our life? What is it in my life? What is it in your life that says to you lord i shouldn't have done that what is it that speaks vividly to you and takes you back to your bethel you see we need to deal with the sin or the issue that has caused us to stray that has caused us to fall off the straight road and to end up in the ditch i'm not going to ask Gareth to read the second section of the chapter for us.
3: When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you, and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you?
4: Thank you, Gareth. Can I take you back to the resurrection morning? The women went to the tomb and whenever they met the Lord Jesus Christ, they're instructed to go and to find the disciples. But Mark adds an interesting little phrase. He says, and Peter the disciples, and Peter. Peter must have been greatly disturbed at having denied the Lord Jesus. And when those women returned to that room and they said to the disciples that we have met the risen Lord and that he told us to come and to speak to you, to speak to you as disciples, to tell you that he has risen, and specifically he mentioned you, Peter. Can you imagine the impact that would have had upon Peter? the man who had greatly fallen. He mentioned my name. He spoke to me personally. He asked for me personally. And so those very words written by Mark and Peter must have had a significant impact on Peter as a person. In the book of Luke and in Corinthians, we are reminded that the Lord Jesus Christ had a private meeting with Peter. But here we have a public restoration. Whenever we read the prologue to John's gospel, we read that the Lord Jesus Christ is full of grace and truth, full of grace and truth. The first section of John chapter 21 deals with the issue of truth. It is like a shining light, it is that which illuminates what has happened it it illuminates peter's fall but what we have in the second section which gareth has just read to us are the most gracious beautiful words of the lord jesus christ as he restores peter peter he takes him and the others are listening on they may have been sitting around the fire but i'm more inclined to think they may have been walking there's a walk along Peter is addressed by the Lord Jesus Christ he is asked do you love me and he is asked the question three times and three times Peter answers quite frequently our attention is drawn to the use of the word love within the text and while it is an interesting story and an interesting study I should say Rather it's an interesting study, it is more important that we focus on the question Do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And three times Peter replies, and each time he replies the Lord Jesus Christ says to him feed my lambs, feed my sheep. And finally Peter says Lord you know. I love you. Lord, you know, I love you. Do you realize these are the last recorded words in Scripture for the Apostle Peter? Whenever John was writing his gospel, as we read the text, we understand that Peter had been killed. He had died a martyr's death. He had been crucified, and tradition tells us he had been crucified upside down. And so therefore, whenever John is writing the text, Peter is already dead. The book of First and Second Peter predate it significantly. And so when John is writing, the last words that come out of Peter's lips are, Lord, you know, I love you. And whenever he admits that love, that deep, deep love for the risen Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ gives him a task. He commands him to go and to feed his lambs and to feed his sheep. Remember whenever the Lord Jesus Christ had prophesied and predicted that Peter would deny him. Whenever he had said that he would deny him three times, He had said three things to them. He had told them to go to Galilee. He had told Peter he would deny him. But at the very start, he also said that they would be like sheep without a shepherd. They would be lost. And the Lord Jesus Christ is commissioning Peter to take up this position as a shepherd, to actually engage and to live his life serving the Lord Jesus Christ. We see his service through the book of Acts. But it's when we come to First Peter that we get an interesting insight into the life of Peter. From next week, we are going to be dealing with First Peter. Peter was writing to a church which was facing great trouble, great persecution. He is writing to encourage them. He is writing to ask them to go on. He is telling them to keep going on despite the difficulties they face. But that little book of first Peter has got two bookends. The first bookend is the statement, whom having not seen you love. And the last bookend is the statement, the chief shepherd of the flock. Remember at the end of chapter 20, the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to the disciples said to them that they were blessed, but blessed would be those who had not seen and believed. And Lord, whenever Peter recalls that and is writing that in First Peter, he's talking again about those who have not seen and have believed. And between that and the other bookend, The chief shepherd. The chief shepherd. Peter is not the chief shepherd. The chief shepherd is our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter was serving him as a shepherd. And the very words and the very way in which he addresses the Christians who are there in 1 Peter under great persecution, under great hardship, shows that he was acknowledged and recognized As a shepherd. And so, we come to the conclusion of John's gospel. But what is the message for us in this little chapter? This prologue, epilogue, this epilogue that he writes. The epilogue that he writes takes us back to the fact that when we fall, he will graciously restore us. But each of us has got to go back to that original place where we met the Lord. Each of us has got to go to that coal fire and look into it and see where we strayed. And after we have been restored, we are to serve. Peter restored was to become a shepherd, a fisherman becoming a shepherd. He was to feed, to nourish. To encourage, to challenge the first century church. And he was to do that as he awaited for the chief shepherd. The other evening, my wife's phone ceased working. We tried everything that we could to try to get it to work. And one of the things that was suggested was that we should actually reset the factory settings. Fortunately, we didn't have to do it. Fortunately, we got it working again. But all too often, whenever things do go wrong with our electronic equipment, we have that option of resetting, of clearing it, clearing everything that has gone ahead, clearing it and restarting again. During this period of isolation, during this period when we are all facing enormous challenges, Maybe it is time to just press the reset button. Maybe it is time to go back to the factory settings. To go back to Bethel. To go back to when we first met Christ. To sort out the issues that have caused us to stray. To then find ourselves reconciled and restored. But not just to sit back but to realize that restoration requires service for him. Graham Kendrick wrote our closing hymn, All I once held dear, built my life upon. He was asked to write it for a conference. And as he went through the book of Philippians, he came across what the Apostle Paul recorded. The Apostle Paul recorded all of his achievements. All of his achievements in life, and there were many. And then Graham uses the words of the Apostle Paul, "Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you." And so we are going to conclude with the words of that hymn after we pray. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we come into your presence. We thank you, our Father, that you took man like the disciples that you took men like Peter. Peter and others who were not perfect, who strayed, who fell off the road. But we thank you for the wonderful grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, as he exposes our faults with his truth and restores us to serve him. Father, in the midst of this pandemic sweeping our nation, Help us to realize that you are a God who is speaking into each of our lives, challenging us. And our Father, we pray for each and every head bowed this morning, committing ourselves to you now. In the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen.